Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. I'm Tony Cardasco, and we have a guest today as VGK comes off of that shootout loss to Toronto last night. The Maple Leafs win it 4-3. to And with us today is Micah Blake McCurdy at Ineffective Math on Twitter from HockeyViz.com. Can you tell us a little bit about your website? For sure, Tony. Thanks for having me. The, so I run a, a website called HockeyViz.com. It's Hockey8Viz.com. And, uh, and the shtick, if you like, is that it's all hockey stats, um, but there's hardly any numbers. It's almost all pictures. So I try to make visualizations so that you can understand what's going on instead of just looking up a number. So based on your data, I saw your chart on total points projected. And in the Pacific Division, you have VGK now projected, you do this daily, to win 97.6 games this season and uh, Calgary is at 96.8. Do you see those two teams, Vegas and Calgary, as the only two contenders in the Pacific Division? Uh, yeah, so those are averages, and that's the, the name of the game for simulations. You know, it, it's, not, it's not like saying that that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm doing a lot of measurements, and so you run the series, you know, sorry, you simulate the rest of the season a million times, you know, as many times as you have the computer power for it. And then you just look at the averages. So, of course, there's a big spread. You could finish with a lot more than the 97. And you could finish with a lot less, of course. Um, and the Pacific Division is pretty tight. But, you know, there's not really anybody else with, a you'd say, a good chance of winning, except those two who are pretty much neck and neck with Vegas just a tiny bit in front. Michael Blake McCurdy is our guest. And, again, he is at Ineffective Math on Twitter. You can catch him there. And uh, Calgary currently is uh, eight points behind VGK, but they also have six games in hand. And so that simulation, it's a million times that you've run it? Yep. It's pretty interesting. And uh, you updated daily. Is, is Anaheim a team that is a contender or a pretender based on all the data that you've seen? They're, they're, you've picked an interesting team to choose right off the hop there because they're very curious statistically. On the one hand, a lot of people coming into the season thought they were going to be really bad. Those people are obviously wrong. Uh, but a lot of the success that they've had is driven by the kinds of things that don't last. Uh, and so the not that it's not not real, if you like, but just that it, it doesn't seem to last for a whole season for most teams. So they've been lightning hot finishing on the power play, and their penalty kill goaltending has been extremely good. And those two things are fall into the kind of nice work if you can get it category, because if you're good in those two things, it's very hard to lose very many games. Um, but it's not like five on five play where if you're good at it, you tend to stay good at it. Um, so I would I would be a little bit nervous that they would drop off. But even taking that into account, they'll still be, I think, in the thick of the playoff chase, even if they miss in the end. Yeah, it's it's pretty difficult to evaluate and to add into data and analytics what the effect of injuries, right, and COVID have had on the game. Well, COVID, I don't even try. It's just the, you know, some tasks are, you never know who's going to get it. Even if they do get it, you don't know if they've, like, you know, we don't know if people get it. We know if they're in protocol. So that doesn't mean you got it. It just means you were close to somebody who got it and maybe you got it. 
even if you do get it, we don't know if it's going to be like Marco Rossi and you're going to lose an entire year of your game, or if you're going to feel fine in three games and you'll be back right as rain. You know, that, that kind of variability is just completely impossible to predict. And injuries are bad enough as it is. Right. And you can factor in the injuries. So injuries, once they happen, you can factor that in. You can, you know, because people, teams are pretty good about saying he'll be back in two weeks. And, you know, the, those estimates are normally fairly close. And so I keep track of that. But you, I don't try to predict injuries ahead of time. I think that's a, a mugs game. Our guest once again is Micah Blake McCurdy. And he is from HockeyViz.com and on the COVID list for VGK, in case you have not been updated, uh, fans out there, uh, Theodore, Waugh, Patrick, and Alec Martinez, who's just having a really rough go of things, uh, he was added to the COVID list over the last couple of days. And so that point projections uh, that we saw, uh, that we see, that's updated daily, right? That's right. And that includes injuries, but it does not include COVID stuff. Okay. And uh, scoring in the league, I want to get to scoring because it appears to be at an all-time high. Well, at least for the Golden Knights, they are scoring a lot more goals, but they're also giving up more goals this season. Is this something that we can attribute? You know, I've just been trying to dig in, and I'm not like a big analytics guy, but can we attribute this perhaps to having an expansion team join the league? Uh, You know, it spreads out all the talent. They finally adjusted the puck lines here, the totals in Las Vegas. But can you attribute it to anything? And have you seen this spike, say, before the Golden Knights um, in 2017? Was there a spike uh, during the Golden Knights inaugural season in scoring league-wide? So there was a spike at around that time. I haven't seen a spike just this year. I think that phenomenon, I, I don't think you're wrong about that. I think that phenomenon, though, is more about Vegas games specifically, where they've had more than league average amount of goals. Their goals scoring has been down in other teams. But across the league, scoring did go up in 2017 when the Knights joined the league. Um, and it's possible that that expansion itself, you know, making more teams and now, of course, Seattle, more players still in the league. It's possible that that's part of it. The, my suspicion is that it might have more to do with uh, the goaltender equipment changes that were brought in at the same time. And if I had a, a really careful study, I'd know for sure if that was exactly right or not. But Part of what we see is that we see more scoring, you know, even in games that involved all the players that used to be in the league before the expansion, because there's only so many new players. So it could be a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, but if I had to pick, I'd put my money on the goalie equipment rules. And what were some of the goalie equipment rules for the fans? The, well, they had to be just that little bit smaller. There were, there's a certain amount of, of leeway. You know, you're this tall, and so you get to wear pads that are this wide or this high. And, and a certain amount of extra just to make sure it all fits together. And the extra was largely what got trimmed. Now, I'm not an expert on that. There's probably a better way to put all that. And, and people who studied it would be more precise. But the, the long and the short of it is that the equipment itself got smaller. Our guest, once again, uh, we are speaking with Micah Blake McCurdy at Ineffective Math. And he is from HockeyViz.com. And, okay, so let's get into goaltending. And Robin Leonard. Uh, most goals that I've noticed, they come off of either a deflection or everyone's seeming to go. And even on the final penalty shot in the game last night, everyone seems to go top shelf on him. Uh, can you tell us uh, what you've charted on Robin Leonard? Uh, what about Leonard? Does he give up any soft goals? I saw your chart that you had on Jack Campbell not allowing soft goals. But what about Robin Leonard? 
So Leonard's mostly, most of the goalies, this is a little bit paradoxical actually, but most of the goalies in the league that are consistently putting up better numbers than expected, saving more goals than you'd expect, are doing it on the back of more saves on easy shots. And just because that's, there's so much more hay to be made there. Because so many of the shots, I mean, you know, 30%, 40% chance shots, those are breakaways, basically two-on-ones, glorious chances. You know, everybody, every coach in the league knows that you don't want to be giving those up. And those are often plays where the goaltender, you know, he can put himself on the highlight reel if he makes the save, but mostly he's not putting his skill on the line, really. You know, those are the kinds of plays where you say, boy, goalie didn't have a chance on that. So really good goalies can make their presence felt on comparatively easier shots, being more consistent. And so Leonard, like a lot of other goalies who are having better than average seasons, is mostly doing that. Not letting in too many really soft goals and being just that little bit better on the 5%, 10% stuff that makes up the bulk of shots. And just speaking to your other point about deflections, that's a pattern that that we've seen with Leonard specifically about shot types, um, is that he's better than average on wrist shots and slap shots, especially wrist shots over his career. And like all goalie stuff, this fluctuates from year to year. It's not always exactly the same pattern, but all up, he's better than average on wrist shots and a little bit worse than average on tips. And so yeah. tips and deflections, and I, you know, I have my suspicions about that, that it has to do with, you know, being in the right, being in the right position for shooters, maybe takes you out of position a little bit for tips, especially if you're not expecting them and, and being more aggressive, being out to challenge makes it a little bit easier to get initial shots and a little bit harder to adjust to tips. And, and so that, that tracks with, I think, what we see from Leonard when we watch him play, where he plays in a very, you know, out of the crease, aggressive style. Uh, could it also be a, a result? Our guest again is Michael Blake McCurdy. Could it also be a, a result uh, perhaps of the defense not playing well in front of him with all those deflections? Cause we've seen it happen repeatedly and we've seen goals where there's not a defender in sight. Yeah, that can definitely be part of it. I don't have the kind of data that I'd like to really be sure about that, but visibly you can see, you know, there are some goalies who really like their defenders to get, just get out of the way, give them, you know, they'll, they'll challenge a shooter on a clear look. And if they get beaten clean, they get beaten clean, but they, they prefer that all up. And some goalies prefer the opposite. You know, they want the chaos and the confusion. They want guys there to box out right away to make sure that rebounds get cleared. And so there's stylistic choices there that, that you would have to dig into with a, with not just a goalie coach, but also with a, a skater coach. More with Micah Blake McCurdy at Ineffective Math on Twitter and HockeyViz.com. More after this, you're listening to Locked On Golden Knights. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthy, then Built Bar has to be in your plan. Built Bar tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Unlike other protein bars, it doesn't taste chalky or waxy or like a chemical spill. Built Bars need to be built into your 2022 plan. Covered in 100% chocolate, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar and net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Built Bar has so many flavors to choose from. My new favorite is coconut almond. But my New Year's resolution is to try as many flavors as possible. There are always new limited flavors that you could find at Built.com. Go to Built.com today to get 15% off your order by using the promo code LOCK15. That's LOCK15 at Built.com. Welcome back, and thanks for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen. It's free and available on all platforms. 
I'm Tony Cardasco, and with us today, we've got Micah Blake McCurdy at Ineffective Math from HockeyViz.com. And Micah, I wanted to ask you, how did you get involved in this business of making all those charts and graphs? Well, I, the the Twitter handle that you that you mentioned, Ineffective Math, is a joke about how I, I used to be a mathematician, but I couldn't get work as a research mathematician. So I made this sort of joke at my own expense about how that career didn't pan out. And part of why part of why I made the transition is that when I was in Australia doing my PhD, I got homesick for hockey because there's not so much of it in Australia. And so I started doing little projects to about hockey just to, to keep up with it and started, you know, how are the senators going to do on this California road trip? How is this team going to do here? And trying to, to make some simulations. And then, but I wasn't sure if I was doing it right. And I was worried about the data quality. You know, every time you embark on a big project, you're always a little bit nervous if you're doing it right. And like I said at the very beginning, I'm not very good with numbers, but I'm great with pictures. And so I started making visualizations just for myself. And then just to make sure I was doing it right, I started doing it for all 32 teams or all 31 teams at the time. And uh, and then going forward from that, I started sharing it with people on Twitter just to see if there was any interest in it. And then it kind of blossomed from there. And, you know, five years later, it's a full time job. That's interesting. And uh, Micah, thanks so much for joining us. And, you know, let's uh, get into some more data because I just love your numbers. I'm not a huge like analytics guy, but it definitely gives it sheds some light on some things that I think that I've noticed right on the ice. And uh, let's talk about the Golden Knights, uh, their offense versus their defense. What do you find are both improved? I feel that the offense has improved. Obviously, we see their goal scoring and their output, but has the defense for the Golden Knights declined. Have you noticed anything? I, in terms of trends of across this year, the improvement in the defense is what really jumps out to me. The first sort of 20 games or so, the Knights were allowing sort of three, three and a half goals worth of chances just at five on five every game, which is, you know, a little on the high side. And since then, it, you're looking after those first 20 games, looking at more like in the two, two and a half territory. So they've shaved basically a goal, a game off their expected goals, you know, before you get into goaltending performance, just skater defense. And so the, the offense has improved too, as you say, and the finishing is part of that. But the skater defense improvement has been the really remarkable thing to me. Yeah. And see, on the surface, I think, you know, at times they're not playing well defensively. You know, the NHL All-Star team will be announced on Thursday. Uh, Some of my ideas on who should be an All-Star from the Golden Knights. And maybe you could give us something to either back it up or, again, go the other way. But Alex uh, Petrangelo, Alex Petrangelo, uh, Mark Stone, uh, based on his reputation alone. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault, but the one guy that really stands out, and I don't know that he's going to make the all-star team, and that's Chandler Stevenson and what he's done for this Golden Knights team this season. Well, it's funny. Stevenson is a is a sort of polarizing figure among analytics people as well as among um, sort of more conventional approaches to hockey because he's played so much of his career in a in a not just a supporting role, but he's been consistently placed with extremely good players. And you know, when he was in Washington, he was constantly with Ovechkin. The, and and he, they bounced him around in a weird way in Washington, where he would play top line, but then he'd play fourth line. And he'd yeah, the fourth line. The middle six. Yeah, and, he'd, he'd play fourth line then, a lot. Yeah, and then, but when he wasn't on the fourth line, he got to be with Ovechkin. And so it was a bit weird to try to sort out, you know, what kind of player is he really? And and he's an unusual player. There's a few players in the league that are like this. Pittsburgh also tends to rack them up where you've got the, you know, guys who you've never heard of who are, 
finishing Malkin and Crosby's chances all the time. And and Vegas has a way of of absorbing these people pretty well too. And Stevenson's been pretty good. All-star level, I, I don't know if I'd go quite that far, but he's, you know, his ability to finish, which which is what, you know, the sort of thing that gets you press, obviously, uh, has been extremely strong and and much, much better this year, even than previous years when he was still pretty good. So it sounds like a bit of a kind of long shot to me, but I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, my guess is maybe Mark Stone gets selected and then doesn't play and says, I'll hand the torch over to Chandler Stevenson. But I think Alex Petrangelo is the shoe-in. And then uh, with just an 11-man roster, I'm not sure who else would make it there. Uh, Jonathan Marsh is so you can make an argument for him. But Chandler Stevenson, in addition to him scoring and finishing, he has played with so many different players on that top line this season. And to me, that's just a testament of the things that he's done for this team. I agree. And speaking of Marcia so and, and Stone, who you both mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised, as you say, if Stone doesn't go, you know, even if he's selected. The, they both, you know, have a real sort of Golden Knights aura about them. You know, they really fit the, the team in a way. Like when you think of, I mean, obviously Mark Stone played for so many years in Ottawa, but, but he's so much more, it sort of pains me to say this because I love the Senators for many years. But, the, but he fits in extremely well in Vegas. You know, just the way he plays, the way his incredible celebrations, that that style of the game fits really well in Vegas in a way that Petrangelo, I feel, is maybe a little bit, you know, he could fit in any team. He doesn't have that incredibly distinctive quality. And and it's not very analytics-y of me, I guess, but I feel like for all-star considerations, those things matter to me a little bit more. You know, you want to see somebody from each team where you think, oh, yeah, that guy, he's a Capitals guy, or he's a Senators guy, or he's a Vegas Knights guy. And I feel like Stone and Marcia so really, really fit that pretty well. Yeah, one trend to watch in the second half of the season. Will all of those minutes start to pile up for Alex Petrangelo? Because he's playing too many minutes in my estimation. And there's a guy who might get selected and just kind of do the peace out thing as well. Uh, because he's definitely beat up and tired. And he likes to spend time with his family. Stay with us. We've got more ahead right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action of 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. With us today, we've got Micah Blake McCurdy. And uh, I wanted to ask you, Micah, any patterns, good or bad, that you've seen develop with the Golden Knights this season? Well, the, the most obvious one is the one I mentioned a little bit earlier, where the defense in the early part of the league, and we were talking about Alex Petrangelo just a minute ago, you know, he was a, a dreadful part of that. In the, in the earliest games of the season, he looked really rusty. And when he was on the ice specifically, the Golden Knights got outshot terribly. Um, but he's come back into form a little bit recently. As you say, he's, you know, he's playing incredible minutes. They lean on him very heavily. Uh, he could really use some help, you know, a deadline acquisition where, you know, you won't replace his minutes, but you might get somebody who could take a few of them away. That would be something that I would look for specifically because his minutes are so high. Do you have any numbers, any statistical data that uh, the fans will get excited about when we talk about or mention the name of Jack Eichel? 
Well, I mean, it, Eichel is a, a classic case for for how you can identify. You know, this is not something you need analytics for. You can see this just watching it, but it's it's true in data wise too. Is that he's extremely strong and has played more or less, I mean, entirely his whole career with very bad players. You know, what few good players there have been have been on his wing, and it still hasn't been enough. And he's constantly outshone them. If you want something a little bit curious statistically that you might not expect, is that defensively he's much stronger than you might think. The his plus minus, of course, has never been great. He's he's been in all the high leverage situations naturally as the Sabres' best player for years. And but when you isolate him from his teammates, from his context, from the competition he had to play, his individual impact on the shots that his team allows is to heavily limit them. And he doesn't get that press and he won't, you know, even when he starts playing for Vegas, you're going to see primarily him scoring, making lots of assists, piling up traditional stats. Uh, but his defensive impact is very good. And I think Knights fans are going to really appreciate that. Michael Blake McCurdy is our guest from uh, HockeyViz.com. And you can find him on Twitter at IneffectiveMath. And Micah, Toronto, you know, we saw them here last night. Pretty good team. I think they have all the pieces. And last I saw one of your probability charts, you had their chances to win the President's Trophy at the very top. Uh, Is that still the case? That is still the case. In fact, if they win two or three more, they'll be odds-on favorites for it. And do you think that there'll be odds on favorites to win the cup? Well, it depends on who you ask. And there are lots of people who have semi-legitimate concerns about what they can do in the playoffs. The, I, I happen to think maybe this is the mathematical angle. Uh, I happen to think that they've been more unlucky in the playoffs than they've been, you know, than any actual change in how they really play. Um, you know, the, I think we can all see from what the, what the Habs have done this year that their run to the cup last year was, you know, absolutely miracle run on fumes and vapors on the, the last dregs of Shea Weber's Hall of Fame career and and Carey Price playing out of his skin even better than he played before that. And so, you know, that kind of that kind of ill fortune befalling the Leafs to hit them in the first round. It, I mean, it certainly makes it amusing, but uh, but I think I think they absolutely have all the pieces. And so they probably will be correctly favored as cup favorites when uh, you know when we get close to the playoffs themselves. We're, we're going to have a very interesting month of February with all the games that need to be made up. Uh, do you think the standings will look quite different after things shake out in the month of February? Um, so, unfortunately, I think not. I think, uh, well, in the West, it's a little bit more interesting. You have a bit of luxury being in the Pacific where, where it's a lot more competitive. We were talking at the very beginning about how Vegas and Calgary are going to duke it out for the first in the Pacific. First in the Pacific is likely to be in pure point numbers likely to be well below the first in the Atlantic as well as the other divisions, just because they don't have, you know, only Seattle is really weak in, in the Pacific and which is not quite what we expected at the beginning of the season. Whereas the Atlantic has three, maybe four really weak teams and the same through across the other divisions. Um, But the East looks to be pretty much wrapped up. Those playoff races are done before they even started. Whereas in the West, I think there's going to be, going to be a little bit more churn, you know, Anaheim, Edmonton, those guys are, uh, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Dallas, even going to be right on the bubble or very close for, I think, pretty much the rest of the season. So there's sort of a tale of two conferences. You have an exciting conference and you have a really boring conference. And, and in layman's terms, once and for all, can you, for the fans, please explain expected goals for our listeners as uh, one of, uh, I guess, one of the developers 
of this uh, statistical model? Sure. So whenever you see a guy take a shot and you think to yourself, gee, he really ought to score that, that in your brain is an expected goals model. And once you take that thought and you start making it careful and you use numbers to do that, once you start making it disciplined and rigorous, you get an expected goals model in the end. This is how likely that setup was to lead to a goal. And then after that, you get into other stuff like, you know, goalie made a tremendous save. That's because he's great. Or buddy flubbed the shot completely because he's a terrible shooter. You know, all that stuff comes afterwards. But expected goals is just, that's a great look. How great a look is it? And, and so then after that, then you get into the technical details of like, well, it was on this part of the rink. And so this is how much of the net he had to shoot at. And this is how many defenders were between him and the goal. You know, some of that we got data for, some of it we don't. But at its heart, the idea is just you freeze the camera at the moment that the person shooting the puck decides to shoot. And without rolling the tape, you say to yourself, based on what I can see right there, how likely am I to see a goal if I roll the tape from here? And so that's the, that's the idea. But how do you pull those numbers out and that data? Well, it's I mean, fascinating it, to me. <laughs> it is it is hard work. And one of the things you do, of course, because we see all kinds of all kinds of shots is that we do have an enormous amount of data about what kinds of shots get saved and what kinds of shots get missed and what kinds of shots go in the back of the net. And and we can use in, like I mean, there's about a million shots in the NHL every year. That's just a quick off the back of the envelope, you know, count. It's about. It's not exactly there, of course, but that's that's the kind of amount of data that you've got to work with every year. And so if I'm looking at a back catalog of 15 million shots in my database or a little bit more that I can look at, that gives you a lot of data to start working on. And then you can start teasing it apart. Well, you know, obviously it matters where you are in the rink. Okay, well, how am I going to do that? And then you just sort of build it up in little pieces, little pieces from there. And that's the other thing, too, you know, it's not like somebody says one day, ah, you know, I'm going to make an expected goals model and then come out with something by next Monday. You know, that's like there's been five or six years of testing for me and the other people who make expected goals models are doing, you know, around that kind of work also. So it's it's not um, I mean, it's not simple in any way, but it's also not like out of the realm of possibility when it when you compare it to the kind of work, you know, you compare it to the sort of work that athletes do to get good at what they do. And it's it's not close. Before I let you go, just real quick, uh, give us like one team that might stand out that you think could be a surprise team in the second half of the season in the NHL. Winnipeg. The, All right. I, I think they've, they're, they've been right on the playoff bubble in my mm-hmm. projections pretty much the whole season. The, I think they're going to be – I don't think they're going to like run away with anything, um, but they're going to hang around. And if their power play starts to click like I think it could, they could be – real problems you know nick ehlers gets himself some more minutes the power play structure if they decide to rearrange it to take a better advantage of the personnel that they've got they could be you know they've got flaws and those flaws aren't going to go away but they also have a lot of strengths and i don't think like they've shown all of their strengths yet michael we appreciate you joining us thank you so much michael blake mccurdy at ineffective math on twitter And uh, I'm a guy that likes the graphics and the pictures there over the numbers. And uh, you can also find them at HockeyViz.com. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Tony. And thanks for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen every day. 
Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms. We'll see you back here tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights.